Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, For today's podcast, we're very kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast this morning. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks. Good to be back. So, Alan, we are today um, going to be watching later on the inauguration of Joe Biden, which for me personally marks the end of an era, not only um, for uh, the American politics, which has been somewhat of a spectacle for the last four years, but also um, the the end of uh, an era associated with Trump and um, the US equity markets in that the the tax changes that he brought in, um, his approach to China, um, supporting equity markets um, to some extent, um, it looks as though um, we're going to be seeing some support for, for, for markets going forward, but, but not in the um, the blatant way that Donald Trump did. Of course, we've had um, Janet Yellen speaking in the last couple of days saying that she's going to be um, steaming ahead with lots of stimulus, which, of course, is uh, uh, very good for, for equity markets. And, and to some extent, I think that's why um, we're seeing equity markets at these these levels. But one thing I'm looking at equity markets here, particularly in in London, Alan. I'm looking at the FTSE 100. Um, it's been in a relatively tight trading range uh, for most of um, 2021 so far. Trading uh, between 6,800 and 6,700. That's of course after a very strong uh, December. We we, we saw um, that the much talked about Santa's rally, um, very strong rally in equity markets through December. And we're at a point now where not only have we got um, Joe Biden coming into the White House, but we've also um, got a trade deal. So so Brexit, to some extent, is done and dusted. So any fallout there is probably largely priced into equity markets. We've also had um, the news of vaccines coming in related to COVID-19. Of course, there's a horrendous number of deaths still, but um, there is light at the end of the tunnel with this. Um, with with the vaccine. So it, it, it appears to me that a lot of the positive news for markets has already been taken into consideration and priced in. I mean, Anna, when, when you're looking at XE markets, what, what do you see as the next big catalyst for for moving markets? And And do you feel to some extent that because we've got all of this good news to some extent priced into markets that we're looking a little bit vulnerable to a bit of downside at the moment. Yeah, that's a very good point, Jonathan. I, I think we are looking vulnerable to to downside at some point. Um, uh, we, we've had all the good news and, you know, obviously uh, Janet Yellen has been uh, banging the drum in the US. Uh, um, Joe, sort of Joe Biden's um, uh, nominee for Treasury Secretary. She's uh, take, saying, so act big now to save the economy worry about the debt later. And I mean, you know, the US has already got some uh, $80, million, uh, $80 trillion worth of, of debt um, on its par. So yeah, add a few more trillion, doesn't matter really, does it? it, it it's almost like, uh, it's almost like um, uh, you know, uh, a business, you know, if, if you borrow 100,000 from the bank, it's, it's your problem. If you borrow 2 million from the bank, it's the bank's problem. It's almost... It's almost uh, that that scenario now. It's uh, 
it's the the problem of the US. So we'll just carry on and trade and trade our way through this and what have you. And uh, we'll worry about that debt pile later. Well, um, it will have to be serviced at some point. Uh, they'll have to work out a way to get back on top of it. But it just seems to be a cycle where, you know, um, uh, asset purchases continue, you know, money printing continues and uh, and on we go. Um, and that seems to be the new norm. So, so you know, perhaps we're at a point now where, where that debt pile is becoming immaterial. But um, what are the drivers for the markets going forward? We know, of course, um, the vaccines are being rolled out across the UK and across uh, countries, across Europe and across the US and uh, countries throughout the world. Um, and we will start to get back to normal. There will be other mutations of this vaccine, but um, eventually your COVID jab will be, be just like your flu jab and life will continue. And of course, that means the return to travel, the, the, uh, you know, the, the consumption of uh, energy by the travel companies uh, will increase again. And uh, that's really the benchmark, I think, that we're all looking to. Uh, I think the, the government have said they expect to get the country, uh, the, the, the population sort of uh, fully, uh, <laughs> completely vaccinated by um, the, the start of August, uh, September. So probably at that point, we might see uh, we might see people going on holiday and uh, travel companies starting to return to normal. Um, then after that, of course, we've got next winter. Um, but th- there are there are now very few um, very few items on the horizon that markets can trade towards. So um, I think we're going to see a period of consolidation, a bit of a wait and see. Um, and if everything continues on plan, then we'll probably see the markets start to return to where they were um, before the COVID crisis. And of course, the US markets are more or less there already, but certainly the UK market, I think, will consolidate now uh, to, uh, through up to the end of quarter one and uh, probably through quarter two. So obviously with, with Joe Biden coming in, it, it, it marks uh, an, an not only a new chapter in, in global politics, but a new chapter in the relationship between the UK and the United States. There, of course, has been um, some outreach from both sides. Um, obviously, in a post-Brexit world, uh, the arrangements with the United States are going to be particularly important for the UK. Um, but, it, but it seems that there's going to be um, there's a decision that the UK has to, has to make and, and whether these ties are going to be made um, more closely with the United States at risk at sacrificing any any stronger ties with with China because it seems to be particularly looking at the words from Janet Yellen uh, in the last few days uh, still a, a relatively uh, hostile stance to, towards China. Um, if, I mean, if if the UK goes along that uh, that line, I mean, could you see that having a a negative impact? Um, on the UK, given the the sort of exposure that we have um, with with commodities, and, and if China um, continues to feel uh, increasingly isolated, that they start something, I for example, um, that they have some hostilities with with Australia at the moment. If you're looking at the FTSE 100, huge um, mineral uh, resources are, are sold to uh, mm. China from from Australia. Um, I mean, do, do you think there's there's sort of unintended consequences of of UK's act of the UK's actions going forward? I think that's uh, yeah, yeah, th- 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 there. Of course, will be, but um, at the end of the day, uh, China 
China has its ambitions to be the number one player on the world field, and um, that's a fact of life. So, so we will, you know, whilst um, you know, whilst there are issues with human rights, and and I think a lot of issues around COVID um, and China's uh, China allegedly spy on nations. Uh, um, obviously, the Huawei contract was cancelled because it was felt that would be that would give the China a direct connection into GCHQ Cheltenham and, uh, and other places. Um, uh, so there are all, all these factors are taken into account. But um, whilst they're going on, the normal normal channels of diplomacy remain open, and we we continue we continue to work forward. And and I think China's pr- pragmatic. You know, it, it it won't shut itself off and cut its tail off completely. Uh, to, to, to spite its face, it, it will it will continue on this course. Um, it remains a threat, of course. There, there is always that, but uh, I I believe uh, I believe that uh, the UK will post Brexit is keen to encourage and stimulate um, deal making and uh, trade with China and with every other country throughout the world, unencumbered as it now is by the EU. So um, I don't see that being, um, I don't see that necessarily being a huge barrier going forward. Indeed. So you, you mentioned there, obviously, the, the UK and, and, and growth. I, I think we're going to start off today touching on one company that we have discussed very, very recently, but it is a company um, heavily interlinked with the, the UK economy. That, that's Eddie Stobart. Um, they've had very interesting share price movements since we discussed them last. But what's what's been uh, the, the most recent updates from, from them, Alan? So, of course, um, Eddie Stobart, ESL, the, the eponymous uh, uh, um, haulage company with trucks all over the place. And, of course, you can get the little uh, dinky car models and all the rest of it of, of the trucks. So it, it's a global well, the global name is also a household name in the UK, um, um, and it's had it's had a fairly torrid year, uh, w- w- a year to eighteen months, um, uh, which now we now seem to be uh, emerging from the other side. Eddie Stobart, of course, controls the trucks, the um, iForce supply chain management, logistics people, and the courier people, uh, the Speedy Freight, and also the Pallet Distribution Network. Um, so it's a very random business, but it ran into trouble uh, end of 2019, um, was refinanced, uh, investors came in, injected 70 million, set up a company called White Star Acquisitions, which basically bought um, the Eddie Stobart business um, out of the PLC. Um, the PLC retained a 49% stake, White Star Acquisitions uh, uh, retained a 51% stake, um, and the 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 investment at that point was made at around thirty two p, so there was a a, a massive impairment charge, a one hundred seventy million impairment charge on the accounts. Um, but uh, over the past year, um, possibly partly as a result of lockdown, um, as the as the logistics um, services provider to Tesco, Morrison's, Bride Hill Brand, Nike, Amazon. Um, Eddie Stobart's business has continued and c- c- continued to perform. In the half year to October, it generated 416 million in revenues, which was a a one percent reduction. But EBITDA jumped 363 percent to 16.5 million, um, and it uh, has stated on several occasions that it's on target to hit full year EBITDA of at least 33 million, uh, possibly more. Um, 
in addition, uh, the it's it's shedded loss making contracts, um, initiated the pay pay down of the debt pile, um, and is is set to repay uh, uh, um, a loan note also from December nineteen. Um, late December or, or or just before Christmas, the company announced um, um, the this, this is the cash shell Eddie Stobart announced the placing an open offer to raise 60, 16 million and uh, to convert to an investing company. Of course, a cash shell has a period of time in which it has to complete a transaction. So it's converted to a placing company. In in the middle of that uh, placing, there was an open offer um, to raise uh, to, to, to raise additional funds, um, uh, 9 million um, at 5p, um, which basically gave shareholders uh, um, the, the option to buy extra shares, 37 extra shares for every 100 held. I took part in that, and it's been it has been a very good uh, return investment uh, so far. Um, so the company has said going forward, um, it um, it will continue to uh, hold its uh, stake in um, in Greenmeister Acquisitions as the holding company of Eddie Stobart. Um, the investor also subscribed for new shares in the in the in the uh, in, in the placing an open offer. Um, and Adrian Collins, the chairman of the company, said that the group were pleased to have raised more than the more than the target the, the amount they had initially targeted, which was which was uh, six million. So it's been a very a very uh, an exceptionally good turnaround, I think, from Eddie Stobart, given the circumstances. Um, but also, the company is now emerging um, leaner, um, fitter, having shed loss making contracts. Um, and given that um, the company uh, still has a valuation of 101 million, it owns uh, it owns 50 percent of Eddie Stobart, which is generating um, which is generating uh, probably about 800 eight to 900 million in turnover um, uh, on the full year, uh, along with um, positive EBITDA. So that's still in my book, materially undervalues it. And uh, I think the next target with the share price, given we're trading at 15 pence, um, uh, we've already been up to 22p. I, I would expect to see, um, uh, as the year progresses, that we'll probably return to 32p or thereabouts. So, so when we're looking particularly at, at, their, at their business, um, the, the Eddie Stobart business, Alan, when we're looking you know, over the next 12 to 24 months, I mean, is this a business that's going to grow uh, predominantly because of a recovery in the UK economy, or, or is this one that's um, in the majority of the, the growth is going to come from those relationships that you mentioned with Amazon as we start to see a significant shift? Of course, we've already seen a significant shift in changes of consumer behaviour. I mean, is this going to be something that, that's driven um, by the wider economy, or, or is it going to be more... Um, the consumer shift towards online shopping, and that's naturally going to to be increasing Eddie Stobart's business. Um, absolutely, uh, I mean Eddie Stobart is very much UK centric, so if, um, UK shopping habits are, as you say, already changing towards online. Um, and Stobart really is in pole position. There are other hoardage companies, of course, Wincanton and uh, and Expediator and and others, but uh, Stobart really it, it's the the leading brand name by a country mile. It also the company also. Uh, paid Stobart Group. Um, the uh, uh, it, it paid them ten million to 
by the rights to the Stobart name. So, so it now owns the rights to that name 100%, which is, which is also significant from a marketing standpoint. But also, don't forget the, the um, uh, Eddie Stobart Limited, they are going to change their name to Logistics uh, Holdings Limited. Um, uh, so so there, there will be a name change going forward. And the group has also stated it will be making other investments too. So uh, presumably that will be investments into um, into companies that are complementary to the current Stobart offering, and also that I would imagine would feed straight through to the bottom line and drive EBITDA and, of course, profitability higher. Lovely. Right, so, so moving on, we, we're going to touch on a company uh, that has an exciting program lined up for 2021, um, Musman Oil & Gas. Um, of course, there's been... Uh, a, a lot of uh, fallout in, in the oil prices in the, big, the early days of coronavirus, but there's been some recovery there, which is seen across the sector. Um, share prices um, incrementally in, increase, uh, particularly in in the the re- most recent months. But what's been uh, been happening at Mosman? So this is a really interesting company, and, and uh, I have um, identified a number of um, small uh, uh, oil and gas plays, which, um, given that, uh, you know, obviously the, the long-term uh, prognosis for oil is, isn't good in terms of its uh, the demand going forward, because, of course, um, the uh, we, we're, we're going electric. Uh, vehicles, are, vehicles are becoming electric and, um, you know, battery, battery power, is being applied across a whole range of of uh, of, 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 of transport options. So so there is that uh, backdrop all the time. Nonetheless, demand is still there, and um, there are a lot of small oil and gas plays that uh, that do offer potential in this regard. And Mosman Oil and Gas, the epic code is MSMN, is one of them. Um, tiny market cap of just five five point four million. Shares of trade as high as 0.27p on the year and as low as 0.05p. Um, and today, as we're talking, it's trading at 0.21 pence. So uh, there are two focuses for Mosman. Um, the, the, the company has a range of assets in East Texas uh, and uh, and one in Oklahoma that's being sold. And also um, a prospective, two, two prospective uh, licenses in Australia, but the the core of the business is based in East Texas, um, where it has a a series of um, of uh, of uh, um, assets uh, which are producing where it has where it has it has differing um, differing uh, percentage interests. So um, right at the bottom, uh, if we actually look at the look look at the uh, the map of where the where the um, the uh, assets are based, right at the bottom on the on the Gulf of Mexico, we have. We have the Champion asset, which uh, Mosman owns fifty percent of, and this uh, this includes the Falcon One and Galaxy um, and Galaxy uh, Wells. Uh, the Cinnabar asset also, which is ninety seven percent owned by Mosman, um, and then moving west, we have the Stanley assets. They the company owns fifteen um, uh, percent of Stanley and twenty percent of Greater Stanley, um, and then it has an interest in uh, the, the Arcoma. Uh, interest in Oklahoma, which is currently held for sale, and it has just announced the sale of the Welsh asset, which was a producing asset, which uh, raised uh, it raised uh, three hundred and uh, sorry four hundred twenty million four hundred twenty thousand dollars, 
cash has been received and is now in the bank of the company. So Mosman are, are very well funded. Um, John Barr is the uh, is the executive chairman driving the company forward. Um, um, worked with uh, TNG, Thor Mining, previously Sherwin Iron and Aquarius Platinum. The technical director of the group is Andy Carroll, not to be confused with the uh, Newcastle footballer. Um, formerly of BP uh, with Australasian Energy and High Peak Royalties. Uh, and has also worked for a number of other companies. And the geo is a guy called John Young, who's got 25 years experience, um, worked formerly with, with Trek Metals. Um, so in uh, the, the company uh, issued a production update um, uh, 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 over the past, the past few weeks. Um, uh, it said produ- produ- production was for the six months to uh, the 31st of December. Production at... Um, uh, stood at 31,753 uh, 31, um, uh, uh, gross, and um, uh, that, that's barrels of oil. Um, the net to uh, Mosman is 8,650 barrels, which is around 340,000, 340, um, and that data doesn't include the production from Arcoma, but of course that's being held for sale. Um, the several uh, developments there, the Falcon 1 oil... Um, which started production in December 2020, that's on the uh, part of the champion asset, is now producing 180 barrels of oil uh, uh, per day. Uh, of course, that's a net 68 barrels of oil per day to, to, to Mosman. Um, and this is significantly increased production rates um, and going forward is set to double the average daily rate um, uh, 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 for Mosman as we go forward into 2021. Um, there are there are two more wells to be drilled at the Stanley um, at, at uh, the, the Stanley asset, plus also uh, Cinnabar and Galaxy, as we as we were, I've already said, have are being developed for twenty twenty one, and uh, and that really paints a very positive picture. I mean, the John Barr said the company is well positioned for strong growth with its assets in the US. Just to mention Australia, it uh, um, has assets in the Amadeus Basin, both of which are. Uh, 100% owned. Um, there is the West Walker permit, uh, which is um, in the Northern Territories. There are uh, producing fields at Marini, Palm Valley and Surprise, um, onshore oil and gas fields. Uh, the West Walker permit is uh, nearby uh, to Marini, and that covers a 30-kilometer area. Um, and the consultancy company SRK, of whom um, of of whom Mike Armitage, uh, who is now an unexec director at Tertiary Minerals, uh, is the chairman. Um, SRK have calculated uh, twelve point four billion cubic feet of gas uh, lie under the ground there. So that's uh, very encouraging. There's also the Mount Winter project, which is one hundred percent owned, and that's located between the Marini and the Surprise Fields um, uh, region. Um, a joint venture there with West Market. West Market is to undertake the drilling, and uh, um, that will give West Market seventy percent, with Mosman a thirty percent carry. Um, and of course, uh, if drilling uh, uh, takes it all the way through to production, that will see Mosman's um, stake reduced to fifteen percent. But nonetheless, a very bright outlook going forward. Um, you know, potential sale revenue from Arcoma, um, and of course the the, uh, the prospect of. Um, the production near doubling as we as we as we progress through through uh, through the year. So when you look at this this type of company, and we're you know, with the smaller oil plays, I mean, many of them 
you know the the price of oil to some extent is is inconsequential because you know they're very much sort of looking for for, for assets and those assets if they're found are the biggest driver of the share price. But this is a very different situation with with Mosman. Is it the case with Mosman that investors can look forward to both um, further uh, exploration results as well as an increasing uh, oil price because they're also producing at the moment, which really will increase. Um, revenue going forward. I mean, wh- which side of that should investors be most excited about? Well, I, I think it's both, Jonathan. I, I think you, you've got the so the uh, Australia, the Amadeus Basin, um, the the opportunities there. That's obviously um, that's blue sky. That's you know that's that's potentially uh, particularly as it's located close to three producing fields there. You know that's very exciting. There's already a joint venture on the Mount Winter Prospect, for instance. Um, so, so, so in both cases, there you've got blue sky potential, um, but also uh, the group, uh, the group is selling down uh, uh, the, the assets. They, they sold the Welsh asset, which was uh, to the far east of, sorry, the far west of Texas, um, and also, of course, the the Arcoma project is being held for sale. That's in Oklahoma. So, Mosman's interests uh, are very much centred around. Uh, around uh, the, the the south of Texas, um, uh, onshore, uh, onshore but close to the shore, um, and uh, with with uh, with uh, with four more wells to be drilled this year. Plus, I would suspect, given the the rate of progress, there are many other opportunities that will emerge in that area. Um, you've got the prospect of the sale from Arcoma as well. Um, so you've got the prospect of good cash flow growth, which is obviously key to the valuation of the business and blue sky potential with some any other opportunities that might come up in East Texas and, of course, the two assets in Australia. Fantastic. Certainly an interesting company to, to be keeping a, an eye on there. Um, so, so moving on to the final company that we're going to discuss today is one that we have highlighted in, in, in recent weeks um, due to its very um, strong pipeline of antimicrobial drugs, and that's Destiny Pharma. Um, what's been happening there? Like last time that we, we spoke, we were looking at a share price around 90 pence. We've, we've seen a bit of a jump since then. I think it might have been last week or the week before we, we touched on them. But what's been the catalyst for this move? It, it, it's well. Um, Destiny's had a had a really strong run. Of course, it raised eleven and a half million um, in early November at sixty five p. So, of course, investors at that level must be delighted. But um, there are there are many strings to the Destiny Pharma bow. Um, the core driver, um, I think, what I like about Destiny as a pharmaceutical company is that um, yeah, it has. It has a COVID aspect to its offering, but um, it's always been about XF seventy three. That was the that's the core the the core underlying uh, uh, a drug that's that's been under development, and this is to uh, the drugs are to treat uh, the MRSA and hospital superbugs, which of course are are highly prevalent. And with the with hospitals being packed out, uh, of course, with COVID patients. Um, uh, a bug to fight these sort of dis- a, a, a solution to these diseases has never uh, has never been more urgently required. So um, I won't go into the history of of the XS73. Suffice to say, it's a it's been developed as a nasal gel. Um, it's a huge market uh, globally, obviously, particularly in the US. Um, and uh, we are now at the phase two B trial 
point um, where the company said it's um, it has now completed recruitment for the 125 patients for the, for for the trial. Um, and uh, once the phase two B trial is complete, then um, it's going to move the company on to uh, another level where it'll look at. Um, it look at uh, joint ventures in terms of production, uh, developing to, uh, through to the final phase, phase, phase three trial, and then of course production and and sales worldwide. Um, so XF seventy three has progressed, um, and uh, we're now at that point. So we we are expecting uh, data from that trial um, by the end of quarter one, but I suspect we might hear about that a little earlier. As I said at the start, uh, November, uh, early November, the company raised eleven half million, um, and this was to make an acquisition. Um, it was to acquire the NTCDM three phase three asset for prevention of C difficile recurrence. And of course, um, this this uh, the C difficile drug has been developed, um, uh, but given that C difficile is also um, is also a, a major problem for hospitals and um, and for for uh, uh, people operating in 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 medical environments, um, it's a perfect fit, really, for Destiny with its XF seventy three. So, Destiny now has now has a broad portfolio of assets uh, that will fight infection post pre and post op infection in hospitals um, at every level. Um, so, the the uh, the phase three trial for NTCDM three was successful. Um, and uh, um, of course, this now is, we'll see uh, Destiny evolve into a world-leading um, anti-infection company. Um, the, so the money was raised. Um, there was the open offer also with the shares there. Um, I'm a shareholder, so I took part in that too. Um, and um, uh, that that's uh, as I say, the next uh, significant news on that is the news from the XF73 trial, which will be due shortly. There was also uh, I mentioned COVID. Um, September last year, the company announced a joint venture with a company called Sporgen um, to develop COVID-19 immunity using the innate human immune system, and again using the nasal spray, um, the, the nasal spray delivery mechanism that has been developed by by the group. Um, again, this will be an easy to produce, high volume, um, uh, high, vo- high volume solution. Um, uh, we. Uh, the company expects uh, the Sporgen joint venture will be at, at clinical trials probably sometime um, early in 2022. Um, it also received an 800,000 UK uh, Innovate UK grant to to drive that uh, joint venture forward. Um, so, so in, in summary, Destiny is set for a, a very bright, um, very bright 2021. Um, keen news due in a few weeks, um, and also. Um, also, also a few days ago, the company announced uh, it had appointed uh, Dr. Stephanie Buick as Chief Business Officer. Stephanie Buick used to work for Summit Therapeutics, or of course, Nasdaq listed company, and uh, she's been brought in to drive the business uh, or, or drive business sales and develop the business globally. So, yeah, a very exciting year in prospect. Indeed, and, and as you mentioned, they, they, they're due some updates in the not-too-distant future, so I, I'm sure that's going to be one that we're going to cover, Alan, on the, on the UK Investor Magazine podcast when we, when we get those next instalments of their, of their progress. So as a, as a recap of the companies that we've discussed today, um, Destiny Pharma trades under the ticker of DEST, um, Eddie Stobart with the ticker of ESL, 
and Mossman Oil and Gas, which trades under the ticker of MSMN. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. So just uh, just as a reminder, um, we've been doing a, a, a series of virtual investor conferences. Um, we have one coming up at the end of February, which is going to be focused very much on investment trusts. We have uh, a number of investment trusts um, presenting at the event. So do check out the UK Investor Magazine website um, for further details of how to sign up for that event. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.